This is the Pushift Podcast, a broad look at the hospitality industry. Hey there, Pushifters. Welcome to another special edition of the Pushift Podcast shot. This is number 58. I'm trying to do one a day, uh, Monday to Friday, uh, which will be a combination of live streams and interviews on the phone. And that sort of thing. Today is obviously an interview on the phone with John Sinopoli from Ascari. Uh, restaurant group as well as savehospitality.ca. Now I'm going to make sure the link is in the in the description here. Um, please go support it. Savehospitality.ca is a movement and a cooperation of thousands of restaurants that have come together to build out a government um, uh, prospectus on how to save the hospitality industry in Canada. Um, it was an amazing time to chat with uh, John. I really just added a question here and there, and he really just really put out exactly what he wanted to say. Um, for everybody here on the West Coast, if you're listening in Vancouver, Victoria, and like Alberta, uh, please go visit savehospitality.ca and sign up. Give you um, statistics of people laid off and how many staff you had, and so many, so so on and so forth, um, to really put some weight behind this movement. Because it seems like there's a lot of initiatives out there right now, still waiting for a lot of mechanisms to come into play to make uh, these initiatives work. So this one is working. It's going to the government, and they're talking directly with the government. So sign up, support this initiative. I applaud you. Uh, hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Um, looking forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow is Danielle Kublik from Silk Road Teas. It was a pre-COVID virus uh, uh, episode, so you've got a couple of those coming up, so it'll be a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun, um, so let, I hope you're enjoying these episodes, guys. I hope you gain a lot of uh, value from them, and I'll chat to you soon. Bye. Great. So happy to be with you today uh, and spread the word for what we're trying to accomplish. That's great. Yeah, so what I'm basically doing right now is I, I've been doing my podcast for about a year and a bit now. Um, I do it twice a week, uh, but right great. now I'm actually trying to put one out every single day um, and trying to do um, people who are doing hospitality initiatives. Um, Today's episode was actually with uh, Jeff Guillaume from Able BC, which is our, our one of our restaurant associations that pushes for legislation in the liquor, in the liquor thing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm always just trying to find new people to chat and, and sort of shed more light onto their initiatives because I think there's a lot going on right now. Um, mm-hmm. Some, some are close to having the mechanisms to be able to roll out. It seems like from what they said to in the first email to me that you guys have been powering along since the get-go and you've really jumped from zero to 60. True. We currently have over a thousand restaurants from across the country signed on to the coalition representing over 50,000 uh, laid off employees. Um, now we all know that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, mm-hmm. a million employees laid off. Um, but the, basically the coalition became very, um, popular and gained a ton of support just because the message is clear. It was well spoken and mm-hmm. the ask, the ask resonated with all of the operators and owners. Say yes. This is exactly what we need. This is our problem, and and you know, uh, the government needs to understand our business. And it started because I have a friend in government relations, and he said they they don't know what to do. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They need to be told what to do. So we put it together. Now the problem is they're actually not listening <laughs> to what we have to say. <laughs> you know, like we, we they're really not listening. Uh, and, uh, you know, Bill Morneau today in the press conference told everyone, call your 
hey, bartenders and chefs, call your owners. There's a 75% weight subsidy. You know, call them. They have to, they should be able to hire you back. I mean, that is the most clueless, irresponsible thing to say, given mm-hmm. that, A, it's the first of the month that we're all trying to fight with our landlords about paying the rent, negotiate with them, figure out a deal, because the provincial governments have done nothing to pause the rent obligations for April 1st. And it's just we just want to pause, right? We just want like a, you know, uh, a, uh, like a, a moment to, con- to take time and consider uh, what the plan can be for action, right? Mm-hmm. So after that, after that, uh, then he goes and says, yeah, call your owners and tell them to hire you back. Well, there's no money to hire them back. Mm-hmm. 75% wage subsidy is something that is going to come back to us down the line three, four months from now. There's no money mm-hmm. in our bank accounts. Like he's so clueless as to what's going on. It's actually shocking. Um, having said that, we've had, we've had good, we've had good, uh, we've had good conversations with people in his office, right? So mm-hmm. um, I just, we need that message to get up to him. So just so we can put some context in here for the listeners, um, you want to introduce yourself and just sort of give you your, your background on sure. what you, where you've been in the industry. I'm the chef and part owner of the Ascari hospitality group. We're um, a small hospitality company in Toronto. We own three restaurants and a bar. Um, we own uh, two restaurants with the Ascari name, one Ascari in Oteca and one just Ascari. And, uh, they're in downtown neighborhoods, one Leslieville, one King, King West, as well as a restaurant called Gardelas Brasserie, a French restaurant, uh, in Leslieville, as well as a bar in Riverside called Hilo. And, uh, we've been in this business for many years. My business, business partner and I have been together 15 years working on wow. this. Um, so we employed 97 people up until two weeks ago and, uh, that's kind of where it started where, um, I went home after laying everybody off and kind of said, you know, we need to speak to government as one unified voice and they need to figure out what we need. So how did it come together so quickly? Like it, it, it was shocking. Weeks. Yeah, it was shocking. Like, it, um, the, uh, basically I wrote a letter with kind of list of asks and recommendations to government. Um, and I started circulating that letter around other restaurateurs and they contributed as well. It was very much collaboration. It wasn't just like one person. And then, um, my wife is a designer. My, my partner, I should say is a designer. Uh, so she helped design the document and make it visually impactful. And we, we had the idea, instead of being like a petition, to have like a letter where operators sign their, like would, would have their names and their logos and visual logos and then the number of people they laid off, um, for maximum impact. Wow. And, and so, um, we started doing that. And after one day, we had about enough people signed up with about three or four thousand employees. And then we started circulating that amongst people and everyone else started emailing it out. And then, uh, we, I just started getting like a hundred emails a day. Wow. So we moved the management of the document from my partner who has a job (laughs) and is currently working, very busy working from home to, um, the marketing department of the 15 group, which was our, uh, is our um, restaurant uh, accounting company. Mm-hmm. There are bookkeepers and they also have marketing and restaurant branding wing. So they took on that. 
and uh, they now literally handle hundreds of submissions a day. Um, I just saw the latest update, and we are uh, 29 pages of restaurants and logos, uh, totaling over 55,000 laid-off employees. So we wow. just started. The growth has been exponential over the past two weeks. And then we started getting to work on bringing that document to government and saying, look at the support we have. Look at the asks. Um, something needs to be done. And they started coming out with <clears throat> government announcements about aid for people in the business or people in general. And we kept seeing how it wasn't any aid that applied to our businesses. Um, our employees were, were going to be getting hopefully better EI and mm-hmm. coverage from the CERB, but that's yet to be proven as none of them have gotten payments yet. Some have gotten small payments, but um, nothing really yet. And the CERB doesn't, you can't even apply until April 6th. It's all very delayed. And, you know, they were laid off two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so although they're saying everything's going to be retroactive to the 15th, last month, how are they going to pay their rent today? Today's April mm-hmm. 1st. So, we, and as operators, we're in the same boat. So, we all uh, are supposed to be paying rent today. Many of us are not paying rent because we don't have the money, don't have the funds, or if we do have the funds, we need to keep them in our bank account for better uses. And we're asking for the provincial governments to provide a pause on lease obligations for... Uh, at least a temporary time until the federal government can come up with an industry-specific rescue plan for us. We've provided the framework for a rescue plan that we hope that they uh, take our advice on, but we're open to other ideas. So part of the part of the presentation you gave to the government was literally like, listen, we've done most of the hard work for you. Here yes. is our suggestions. Yes. Agreed. Wow. Agreed. We spent a lot of time, like, you know, it's been a collaboration between, um, uh, in terms of prose and writing of the letter between uh, me and my business partner, Eric uh, Joyal, as well as um, Dyson Forbes, who's the head of the Facebook Food and Wine Industry Navigator page, as well as a lion's share of the, the heavy lifting was done by Andrew Oliver from Oliver Bonaccini, who owns um, many restaurants in Toronto, that he's, he's the president and CEO of that company. They laid off 1,900 employees. Oh, God. And he's in the same boat as us. Um, doesn't know how the rent's going to get paid. Like, we're not cash-rich businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't pay the rent. I mean, he, he has rents at single locations of $100,000. Wow. So when the government says, here's a $40,000 loan, this should solve your problem, and by the way, we're giving you a wage subsidy, they're completely out of touch with the costs of our business. Mm-hmm. So the Minister of Small Business in Ontario said to Andrew today on the phone, oh, but we're, the $40,000 loan, that should cover you for six months of rent. He's like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> do you understand what we're talking about? Like, that doesn't cover six months of rent for anybody. Yeah. Unless you've, got a, really, unless you've got a 500 square foot hole you know in the wall. Like <laughs> basically said, that's a hair salon in a small town. Yeah. That's not a business on Main Street in a large urban center in this country. And so the, the package, basically the federal government has cast a very wide net with large holes in it that everyone's falling through. And they say we've done enough. We've done a lot. This is $108 billion, but... In that $108 billion, a lot of tax deferrals, a lot of like, it's not actual mm-hmm. money. It's not actual money. And by the way, deferral means you don't, you don't have to pay it, means that you don't owe it to them right now. Mm-hmm. And 
God help us if we figure out a way how to pay it down the road. Do you think I've talked to a few associations and, and bodies that are talking to the government? Um, and my one big thing is I don't believe that the government, federally or provincially, completely understands just how big the hospitality and tourism industry Agreed. is. Because Agreed. I think a lot of DMOs, like the, the, the destination marketing companies, the tourism bodies, they don't really mm-hmm. include hospitality per se. And mm-hmm. then when we talk about the, the workforce that's in the hospitality industry, we're not, they don't really count the people who only work one shift a week or two shifts a week or yeah. that, that, that casual dishwasher that comes in three times every two weeks. You, you got it. We've got 1.3 million employees in restaurants alone, and a million of them are now out of work. That does not include all the support industries, like the, our supply chain, mm-hmm. like the, the linen companies, the, the grease removal companies, the cleaners. All of these people that rely on our business for their business are also now screwed. And by the way, they're all holding the bag of receivables, all our food suppliers and liquor mm-hmm. suppliers and wine suppliers. We all owe them a ton of money that we can't pay them. And if we fail, they fail en masse. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a much bigger problem than they know. We are 7% of the entire workforce of the nation and 4% of the GDP. If that was the case with an industry that had four CEOs, they'd mm-hmm. be crying at the table right now saying, but where's our bailout? But because we're 100,000 independent operators, they don't feel they need, they need to pay notice to us. Mm-hmm. So what do you, let's lay out uh, some serious, like, what do you want to see the government do? So our, our plan, basically, we need an immediate rent pause so that we can figure out how to get the cash and what to do. Then the cash is we've laid out a plan that says that the federal government needs to give us 10% of our annual sales in cash now, like in the next three to four weeks so that we can pay our rents, Mm -hmm. pay our suppliers, pay our bank obligations. We all have loans and interest payments to make um, to pay some employees if we can hire them back. If we have the cash, we're happy to hire them back on a 75% wage subsidy. Um, and then get ready to reopen. Make a plan to reopen once we know when that is so that we can reopen with strength and with uh, thoughtfulness and with resources. Right now, nobody has the resources to reopen. We're a business where we budget a certain number of dollars for an opening. We don't budget the dollars and have the bank account in case we need, we need to reopen again. Mm-hmm. Like just in our company alone, we lost about $20,000 of food inventory two weeks ago that we purchased and couldn't sell. We gave a lot of it away to hungry staff and other organizations. We froze down some of what we could for later, but none of it is saleable. Mm-hmm. So that's 20 grand gone. And then now, not only do I still owe the suppliers for that 20 grand, I need to buy another 20 grand to get up and running. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the cash for that. And that's just our three restaurants, two of which are one is small, one is medium, one's large, right? So imagine every operator in the country with the same burden. That mm-hmm. doesn't include the labor you need to reopen. That doesn't include paying your fixed costs. That's just food inventory. So it's not like a retail shop where everything's just sitting on the shelf collecting dust. When you hit the go button and say go, all the stuff in there you can still sell. Mm-hmm. That's not the case for us. And not only that, we paid everyone to prepare that food that we then paid them to give away. And now we've got to pay them again to prepare it again. 
before we can open. On the on the macro, from non-industry people looking in, um, do you think that a lot of guests and customers sort of see the industry right now with the, a lot of restaurants? I'm not sure what it's like in Ontario, but in BC, you're allowed to do to-go food and take-out delivery. Um, do you think that a lot of clientele, guests who aren't savvy to what we we're going through, think, do they think that's a bit of a lifeline? Yeah, unfortunately, they do, and. Um, the reality is that that takeout revenue pays only for the staff that are currently there doing the takeout. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pay your rent. It doesn't pay any fixed costs. It doesn't pay any of your other obligations at all. Um, and uh, in general, it's somewhere in the range of 10 to 15% of your normal revenue. Mm-hmm. And if anyone hears that, they understand, oh, wow, that's, that's nothing. Like, you don't keep the lights on with, with the takeout. It's a way for restaurants to stay engaged with their community and to mm-hmm. stay, like, with a relevant, outward fa- a relevant and outward-facing. And I don't put anyone down for it. It's also highly uh, – it's unknown as to how safe it actually is for mm-hmm. the employees going to work with each other every day as well as for the people you're serving. Um, you know, we're not doing it because our – employees were not comfortable doing it. Um, I think that whoever's doing it, hopefully they're practicing best practices, and I don't mm-hmm. blame them because they're just trying to stay alive, and they're trying yep. to do what's best for their business. Um, it's not like no one's judging anyone for any of the decisions they're making right now. Everyone's doing the best they can with what they got, but that is not a viable business model. Oh, everyone's just going to switch to takeout. Like, that doesn't work. We rely on tips and mm-hmm. wine sales and beer and coffee and tea and desserts and all the things that go into a full dining experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also right now we're sort of in this um, honeymoon phase when it comes to staffing. Um, I've yes. already had a couple of clients. I've already had a couple of clients tell me or friends say that they've had staff refuse to come to work, which they're yeah. legally obligated allowed to do now. Um, and so I've I've had a few clients say, "Oh well, do we shut?" I'm like, "Well, if you don't have staff, then you kind of got to." And I was like, "But yeah, so we have to understand it's not going to be as perfect as it is when you're doing regular service." Correct. Correct. So this is this is the dilemma people find themselves in. And, and basically, we are forced into this corner um, based on good health policy. Like, we should be mm-hmm. closed. We should not be mixing. We should all be staying home. The problem is that the longer we do that and the flat, more flat we make the curve, the longer the curve is and the longer mm-hmm. we have to stay home, which is good in terms of saving lives. It's the best thing we should be doing, but the government needs to know there are going to be economic consequences and they need to act. Mm-hmm. And if you wait, here's our other ask, that the the money come fast and the decision, at least the decision be made quickly that the money is going to come. Because right now, today and tomorrow, I know many people, if they don't come to an agreement with their landlord, they're just going to hand in the keys, so your case mm-hmm. yours. They're done. They're throwing in the towel because they can't risk the extra debt. They can't risk the extra mm-hmm. obligation. They're already in the hole. Their house is on the line. Their family's on the line. You know, we're not a business that pushes money to corporate shareholders offshore somewhere. Like we're all of our profits go directly back into our community, mm-hmm. and that is um, something that is lost. I think a lot of people when they hear profits, so you're thinking about profits now. We're talking about a health crisis. Yeah, uh, uh, profits are are our income. Um, they are not um, 
they are, are, are not like some ethereal kind of economic benefit that goes to investors. There's no investors here. I mean, investors are ever lucky to get a dollar back for the money they, they invest in. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> we're talk, profits we're talking about are, are the owners and operators' actual income. Mm-hmm. Um, so the... It, 10% of sales doing takeout just doesn't, doesn't cut it. Doesn't cut it. So, so yeah. We, yeah. Sorry, so you guys, I, I think, you yeah. I just think that you're, you're right to say that people don't understand the economic model that we operate under. You know, we do a Mac, like the average, uh, margin for restaurants is 5% of sales. So when, that means we don't have cash reserves. If you make a million dollars a year in business, on average, the operator has a million dollar year business makes fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Like that's not exactly uh, putting you in a house in Rosedale in Toronto or <laughs> or in the West End in Vancouver. Yeah. So in most of the restaurants that you've got on board with SafeHospitality.ca on the west on the east coast, or have you got spread across the country? No, spread across the country. I mean, the lion's share of them are in the GTA in Toronto, the Greater mm-hmm. Toronto area. But um, more and more from all across the country coming in, we have Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary, Edmonton, um, Vancouver, um, Banff and Lake Louise, uh, everywhere. Um, and we uh, are encouraging everyone to step up and share their support to show their local representatives, hey, we are one voice. These are the asks. They're very clear. Come to the table and talk to us about how you can help us. We're going to the government in the spirit of cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, we know that they're under the gun with many, many other things and many, many other ball, balls in the air. Um, so it's really, it's really important that uh, we go with that attitude. We are not, uh, we are not um, going to the government demanding with our fist pounding on the table. We're saying, hey, be smart. Look at our numbers. Understand mm-hmm. what's happening here. And you're not a big corporation like you were saying before with four CEOs. No, where you, like I, where you get a bailout and then everybody gets bonuses. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to happen. Trust me. You don't. If you don't think they're working on a bailout for the airline industry in the background right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and we are five times the size of the airline industry. Mm-hmm. And exactly, it's not going to go to corporate bonuses. It's going to go to making sure we survive. And there's still going to be failures. There's still going to be failures in this business. Um, but we're trying to mitigate that mm-hmm. because if 50 to 70% of restaurants fail, which is what we're predicting at the moment with the current inaction, um, all the suppliers go out of business because yep. they can't, they can't absorb the receivables of half the industry. Yeah. And, and, and then not only that, you got five to 600,000 people out of work. And these are the most vulnerable people. You know, you worked in the business. Mm-hmm. We're not exactly people, you know, driving our big fancy trucks to our suburban homes. We live in shared apartments and rent and are check to check. Yeah. Month, and, month month. And, and industry notorious for mental health and substance misuse issues. Hey, you got it. So if you don't think the social services are going to be bent to the breaking point with the massive layoffs that have happened in our industry, you better think twice. And the 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 strain that's going to put on society is massive, massive. So after all this is all over, and let's let's talk a hypothetical: the the industry, the the government backs backs uh, 
industry as aggressively as you want. Where do you see hospitality as a as a whole industry? Because I've, I've had a lot of people talk about the broken the broken economy that we live in when it comes right. to the hospitality industry. What right. like hypothetically silver lining everything you want you get uh, perfectly. <laughs> What what do you see for recovery? Because we've talked a lot about re- rebounding and recovery with a lot of people because we're talking about timelines, which yeah. I've heard everything from six to twelve weeks. Yeah, it's looking more like twelve. It's looking more like twelve weeks from what we're seeing here in Toronto at the moment. Yeah, um, the city of Toronto just basically announced that restaurants won't be able to open for dine in until after the end of June. Wow. Yes, wow is right. So I don't know. I don't have the answer. So even given a silver lining, like best case scenario, it's still not looking great. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know about you. I've, I've I've had a lot of people ask me, like I've just asked you, and I for the macro, I just there's just so much information every single day that comes down. Right. Um, like the light at the end of the tunnel, I just I can't I can't see it and grab it. The little yeah. micro stuff, like making sure your staff are looked after and, and trying yes. to maximize any cash flow you can get out of your business right now, is where I'm focusing. Agreed. And, and the, the macro stuff really is where the policy wonks in the ministerial offices need to start getting to work. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where they're going to come in, in terms of instilling policies that really help. I mean, the first thing the government can do to improve the business model of restaurants and ensure their survival is to reduce the tax burden. Mm-hmm. They take 40% of all our income. If you count um, liquor taxes and um, and corporate taxes and uh, payroll taxes... Forty percent of the dollars we bring in through the front door go right back to the government. So the first thing to do is to take a look at provincial liquor taxes and just reduce that burden for licensees by half. Like, why are wholesale purchasers of liquor paying the same tax as retail purchasers? That's crazy. Like in Ontario, it's seventy-two percent of every dollar spent in alcohol is tax. Mm-hmm. So if you reduce that by half for the licensees the people buying and selling wholesale because you're because once that you we buy it we're selling that and you're making the HST on that mm-hmm. you're so you're double dipping on all those items right so reduce that tax and give us a fighting chance <laughs> right 100% well I really appreciate your time I'm going to make sure that I, I, I get all the right links and everything for the, the podcast tomorrow I really want to try Amazing. especially here on the west coast Get you as much as email as you yeah, possibly can. Email me if email me if you got any questions to clarify Definitely. as well. Definitely, yeah, no, it was it was exactly what I think everybody needs to hear. Um, and with your mechanisms already in place and rolling, I think people need to back your initiative um, as much as we possibly can right now. Um, Thank you, Sean. But I, I really that. appreciate your time, Sean. It was a, a real pleasure. Thank you very much. You as well. Hope to meet you one day in person. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.